From Like to Know It, this is Influencer Radio, a show about the influencer industry. This season, we sit down with some of the world's most successful influencers to unpack their unique life adventures and the digital businesses they built. I'm your host, Amber Vinsbox. On this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sarah Tripp of Sassy Red Lipstick on her journey from an advertising major to building a self-love and body positivity platform for all women. Sarah and her husband and business partner, Robbie, recently moved to Scottsdale, Arizona, where they continue to scale their business and are building their very first home. Today, we'll be diving into Sarah's background of growing up in Las Vegas, her stance against body shaming, her own authentic self-love journey, and building a business with her spouse. Sarah, we are so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me, Amber. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, Sarah, you grew up in Las Vegas. I did. I think everyone feels like they know what Las Vegas is like, but probably have absolutely actually no clue what it's like to live there. What was that like growing up there? Well, for a long time, everybody would ask me if I grew up in a hotel. (laughs) Wrong. Sounds very glamorous. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the strip is about five miles and then it's just a regular thriving city. So... I grew up in a very conservative, loving family and had great friends, great experiences. I went to private school and then I went to public school. So I kind of got both of those ends, got to experience both. When did you switch public, private? I did private kindergarten through eighth grade and then I went public for high school. Yeah. What would you say was like the most obvious difference between those two experiences? Oh, man. Um, I was talking about this with girlfriends literally last night. So it's so funny you would even ask. But I feel like I was very ahead um, in certain aspects. Like at my private school, we learned how to give oral presentations and do research, annotation, and memorize speeches in middle school. And I got to high school. And I don't even think I did that till like my senior year of high school. <laughs> so that was definitely an interesting just, you know, I just felt like I was ahead there, but I also felt like I was behind in math, and I don't know. It's so funny how they're just two totally different ways to learn. Were they different social experiences? 100%. (laughs) So I grew up, I feel like my first love for designer came from going to a private school because these are families who are very successful in Vegas and have a lot of money, and my parents have always been very successful, but they're very humble, very hardworking, and could care less about brand names or status or anything like that. But the parents of all these kids I went to school with, it was very important to them. And so that's kind of where I feel like I first was introduced to it. I remember being in like sixth grade and went to one of my best friend's um, birthday parties and I would get a Juicy Couture gift card and things like that, which is just absurd at the time. I know my mom was like, I'll take you and your girlfriends to Circus Circus for your birthday, you know? So it was just a totally different realm of success and wealth. And yeah, it's so interesting that- Do you think, I mean, did that make you dream about the things that you would want to do when you're older or or what did you think about that? It's funny how at the time, I don't feel like it affected me or anything, but looking back, like that's where I feel like it all started of wanting to just really dive into fashion and seeing all these fashionable moms. And um, so, yeah, it kind of started there. So we're talking about parents and moms and the differences. And so tell me about your mom and your dad. Very, very amazing human beings. (laughs) They have a very loving relationship. I had a very loving home. I have one brother, um, always was super important to teach us hard work and to do our best and, you know, push us, but, you know, let us explore different sports and different activities and our different levels of academics. And it was just a really great way to grow up. So you're a very creative person and (laughs) I think you dream big. 
so with with your parents like what roles were they in and what careers did they choose so my mom um she has a couple degrees so she's very intelligent but she was a stay-at-home mom my whole life but very supportive she was the mom who came and supported me and my brother and you know she was the mom who went to book fair and ran that and she would come and help us read when we were like in kindergarten she would be the mom who would come to all the parties and support that and go to all of our academic award ceremonies and come to our sports games as with my father but he obviously was like the career man um, he ran a really successful recycling business so like car metal parts and things like that that my grandpa owned and he worked for him and ran one of his yards several of his yards and so it was just it was that balance of like working dad stay-at-home mom but they supported me and my brother and always wanted us to succeed did they work together? Because you and Robbie, you know, worked yeah. together. W- were they a team like in business or really just no, around the family? Just around the family. I mean, my mom, of course, supported my dad. Um, but it was just, I mean, that's so different now. You know, we, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing back then to go into creative business with your spouse. It's so new. It is. Yeah. So was your brother a creative? No. <laughs> my brother's in med school right now. He's the brains of the family and the, the right side of the brain in the family, I should say. Um, and he has always been someone who's worked really, really hard his whole life. He's wanted to be a doctor, I think, since like middle school. And so that's where he's at right now. And so when did you start working? I started working... I feel like my dad started bringing us to work when we were like 10. He worked on Saturdays for a lot of my childhood and he would bring us to work and have us just help out around the office. Um, And so we learned from a really young age and we always had like specific chores we had to do and things we had to get done around the house. Um, So we started young and I started working for my dad when I was 15 and I started just doing odd ends and jobs, and it was really important for me to learn those values of work. Um, I interned when I was 15 that same summer at the Nevada Cancer Institute. It's now closed, but I worked in their communications department, and my brother interned and worked like he actually got to do like medical stuff because that's what he was interested in. And so that was a really like eye-opening experience. That was my first internship when I was 15, um, and. Around that time, I had applied to be a part of Nordstrom's BP ambassadorship, which is like their junior department, and kind of learn the ins and outs of the business and fashion trends. This is high school. This is high school. Yeah. So um, I loved that. I just ate that up. I would go and be the person in the back during holiday season making all the boxes and (laughs) just like the little elf behind the scenes. And it was seriously like such grunt work. But I I just ate it up. I loved being, I mean, there's only one Nordstrom in Vegas. It's in in the mall on the Strip. So it's like a huge deal to just be there and be involved in like the fashion world. And Nordstrom's just been such a premier brand for me for so long. So that was really fun. And then I... Do you think that you liked, like, what did you like about being there in this space? Was it the clothes or the people or the, what was about it? I think it was like learning a business that... I prior didn't really know a lot about, but I had always loved fashion. I have I had gotten Teen Vogue my entire childhood, it felt like, and just always read magazines, always been really into it ever since really like my private school days of seeing these moms and their like their outfits and their designer clothing and items and everything. And so just always being interested in it and then being thrown into working at Nordstrom at such a young age. You can't actually work at Nordstrom until you're 18. So my senior year of high school, I started working, working for Nordstrom as a full-time sales associate, and I worked four to five days a week my senior year, and I was, like, very busy, and I was, like, president of the Honor Society and in student council, 
but I just loved it. I ate it up. It was so fun. I probably spent my entire paychecks back into Nordstrom. I don't know if I earned anything. I think that's a retail strategy. Yeah. It's like, no, this girl totally works here, but we is. make money on her. Totally yeah. But it, it felt so good to just be able to make that money and spend it how I liked and um, just kind of be a little bit self-sufficient that way. So did you decide to go to college? I did. I went to BYU in Provo. And when I first went, I thought I wanted to be a nurse. I think for a long time, I looked up to what my brother was doing. He was going into the med field. My, both of my grandmas were nurses. So I, yeah, I, my first couple of semesters, I was doing the prereqs for nursing, almost failed chemistry and realized this really isn't for me. And so I took a few classes and I landed in advertising and I loved it. It was like something finally clicked. It was creative. I did the management side of advertising. So it was, it was still, I'm very like, organized and need to like stay on top of things and so that was a really really great career path for me to choose so question not to jump back but something i'm curious about is you know working at age you know around 14 and 15 and and through high school yeah was that typical of your friends were they all doing that no i mean I, there's there's a few that would have jobs but for the most part people played sports and i mean i played sports as well but the, it just wasn't as important to them. And I just, I seriously just loved it and thrived off of feeling self-sufficient, feeling like I was learning so much about something that I was so passionate about. And you're right. It just, looking back, I'm like, how, how did I even do that? <laughs> like, you know, going to school full time and my school started at 7 a.m., but um, I did a religious program where it started at 6 a.m. every morning. And so I was getting up at like 5 a.m. every morning. And I had to work the closing shift at Nordstrom. And so I didn't get home till like 1030 most nights. And I don't even know how I did it, but I did it. If you want to get something done, ask a busy person. Yes, it's so true. It's so true. You know, I, okay. So when you wanted to start working, did you go to your parents and say, Hey, there's this program I want to be a part of, or were they like, Hey, Sarah, we think that you're passionate about this. You should consider. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was ever, you know, I had started doing like the internship when I was in 15 and, um, I had gotten my license in Vegas. You could get at like 15 three quarters. And so I was driving myself and taking myself and it was like once a month. And I don't even remember asking them for permission. It was like, hey, I'm going to do this. Like, this is what I want to do when I turned 18 and could start actually working for the company. I mean, that's a lot of ambition for a young girl. I mean, in high school, most girls, I think, are focused on what, you know, purse they have and who the boy is that they're talking to. And so I think it's, um, it's, it's, compelling that this was something that was on your heart from a very early age. Thank you. (laughs) So from advertising in college, then what did you go do after school? So I seriously loved my experience doing advertising. And to graduate, we had to do an internship. And I chose to do my internship in New York City um, for a summer just because I just wanted that experience. And I interned at a fashion forward ad agency. It's sadly no longer around, but the clients that I worked with at the agency were Stuart Wiseman and David Yearman. And I got to go to photo shoots and I got to run proofs back and forth from the client to the advertiser. And it was really a really cool experience. So and it, this time it was like physically running. Yes. Stuff yes. Back and forth. Yes. Okay. It was more grunt work, but it was so thrilling. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm just thinking today, probably, you know, you're like dropboxing files yeah, or you're no, like sending I it know. It's so true. 
true, you would like have a big proof and I would have to get an initial to like get it approved. That's incredible. Like that. How things used to work. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it's so true. So that was a really amazing experience. And it was there that I like my eyes were opened. I went to a really I went to a private conservative college in Utah and everyone kind of just dressed in like J. Crew and Sperry's and that was it. That was like the uniform. And I go to New York and it's this melting pot of street style and just, you know, fashion from literally all over the world and seeing, you know, how my coworkers would dress and how other interns would dress. And it was there. I had a blog previously. I had a blog since 2011. Um, it was just kind of documenting college days. So I had gone on and- What uh, was it called? It was, it was called Sarah Catherine Smith, that's my maiden name, .blogspot.com. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing very original. And I think like the header was like, Sarah Catherine's blog or something like that because that's what people used to call me so um it just yeah it just documented college life and it documented I went on a study abroad in Jerusalem and then it documented like my time in New York um and it was when I got back from New York so Robbie and I had just started dating so, so question for blogging because 2011 was still very early yes, to be blogging yes. was that something in your social circles that was happening or how did you find so out about it that? started well I mean like scoot back a little bit I was the girl in high school, even in middle school, who was obsessed with photos. Like I would be, I was never in yearbook or anything, but all the yearbook people at the end of the year would come to me and be like, can we have your SD cards? Like, can we take all your photos from the year and use them? I was obsessed with taking photos. I feel like for every birthday and Christmas, I always asked for a new camera. I just loved it. And it was kind of like, it started with the MySpace, you know, like the camera. You were MySpace. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell my parents. I had to sneak that. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. I was never on MySpace. Is it your name or did you like have like a, like a I don't remember. Blog name it was so short. It okay. was so short because as soon as they found out I had MySpace, my freshman year of high school, it was zapped. But I, Facebook was like starting to be big my sophomore year of high school. So that like, you can like tell so you my age. so for all the kids <laughs> listening, when we were in high school, phones were actually phones and you could text message yes. on them, but that was all you could do. So there, it's not like you were able to like MySpace from the bathroom in high school. Right. No, no, that was not a thing yet. I, my first phone I got um, the very end of eighth grade year and it was the razor the pink razor oh like, you were flip phone. oh yeah it had to be pink you know <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get an iPhone until my senior year of high school so before then there was no like social media apps social media period there was Facebook that you could you know log on on your browser yeah because um, in 2011 that was I think that was the first year or right around the first year that the app store actually came loaded on the iPhone. I personally didn't get an iPhone until a couple of years after that. I was like a Blackberry user and yeah, I, I liked the BBM. Yeah. And, but, it, but it's just, okay, so interesting. So you couldn't, they were not happy with MySpace, shut that down. Shut that down. You were banned. But then, you know, when Facebook first started, it was like you were uploading like, a million pictures to one album from like one night in high school yeah, <laughs> like, you out. or the dance photos or whatever. And so anyways, I was always obsessed with photos. So when I started my blog in 2011, it was like the end of my freshman year of college. I actually started my blog because I was in a communications class that required it. So it was a way for us students to kind of like dive into this like digital form of writing. Um, and so glad I did because that's where I first learned how to just like do a simple post and upload photos and things like that. And I decided that I just enjoyed it so much because I always loved sharing photos that it just became my blog for college. And I would just document like college days and game days and just like random things we did. And did you have blog friends? I had yes, yes, I guess so. It'd be like people that I met like on campus who were like blogging as well. Not at all like today, you know, but 
I, I, it wasn't like a nationwide thing where I had like this community, but there was definitely like bloggers I knew on campus who were also doing that. And it was so new. So then fast forward to um, the end of my internship in New York, I had obviously documented all of my time there. And Robbie and I had started dating right before I moved to New York. Where'd you meet Robbie? <laughs> so it's a really long story, so I'll give you the short version. Okay. <laughs> he, his parents, he's the youngest in his family. His parents moved to Vegas after he graduated high school. I'm from Vegas. So when he would visit for holidays, he was eventually set up with one of my friends from high school, but we're all in college at this point. So I knew him through her, and then that just fizzled out, and we had started following each other on Instagram way back in 2012. When Instagram first oh, you started, guys really are like active users. Yes, it's so <laughs> funny because we started dating right when Tinder like exploded. So I was never on Tinder or anything, but we always laughed because we technically met on social media. And yeah, we just started chatting and talking and fell for each other really quickly, really hard. And here we are. We're celebrating our fifth anniversary next month. And yeah, thank you. <laughs> Okay, so you came back from New York. Came back from New York, and I had I had been telling Robbie, like, I think I want to start a fashion blog. And I had been reading blogs for a very long time. Who did you read? I read Emily Schumann's Cupcakes in Cashmere. Read her since, like, 2010. Same with Blair Eadie. And just, and Rach, and obviously I was in Utah, so Rach Parcell and that whole group of, of ladies. So I had been reading blogs for so long. I obviously had a blog, but I just didn't know how to, even begin like who's gonna take my photos like you know I had I loved clothes obviously working for Nordstrom and I had a lot of outfits like but how am I gonna make this work and it was Robbie who really encouraged me and was like I will help you and he he always claims this because it's true but he got on my Facebook one day and asked like posted for me and was like hey guys like I'm thinking about starting a fashion blog what do you think will you support me da, da, da. and everyone was like oh yeah big move. Like, do it. oh yeah he just like did it without me knowing you know <laughs> but it was it was good it was like that push I needed to see that like people wouldn't think it was silly and you know so it was it was really good it was the start of it he built my first site and he took I mean he takes a lot of my photos now but he took my photos then and they're horrendous and we've learned so much in almost six years did you and guys have like a big camera or what did you start we, taking with? we had a big camera because I always loved cameras and my dad had a nice camera and I asked my dad like can I borrow your camera can I take it for a semester so I can like take photos and he was he was totally like yeah of course so I, I mean it was nice it wasn't like the cameras today obviously but um it was a DSLR and like we just took photos and you can go back and look I seriously love looking at old blog photos of anyone because we all started somewhere and they're like the angles are up here and it's just like in the middle of a gross street and it's just it's so funny to in see in an alley there's yeah, lots of alley no, pictures for sure and lighting's all over the place and it's it's great it's so fun to look back at those Okay, so I think that you are friends with Megan Mitchell from Meg's Legs. Yes. Okay, so tell me about y'all's relationship. Yes, so post, so Robbie and I, so we, I started my blog um, right before my senior year of college. So that whole year, um, and I was actually on Reward Style, like pretty much, I think that I applied like a month into blogging and I was accepted and, but like to know it hadn't come out yet. So it was just links on my blog, you know, and um, for that whole year, just kind of blogged outfits I already had because it wasn't really a thing yet to like blog like what's in stock or anything like that. It just was your style and your in your 
your personal, you know, fashions and everything like that. So then Robbie and I got married right after my senior year of college. And from there, I actually went and did um, Nordstrom's management training program because I thought I really wanted to grow with the company at the time. And I did that, love that, did a little bit of... What do you learn in their management program? You just learn more of the business side. So when you're a sales associate, it's obviously like the art of selling and, you know, keeping up with trends. Give us a selling trends. tip. <laughs> oh, selling tip. Um, I guess for me personally, it's just like actually taking the time to dress somebody and style somebody. It's not just like putting them in a fitting room and hoping it fits. It's putting together something, you know, asking them. And I think coming from me who always struggled with dressing rooms, I really wanted to make other people feel comfortable and be like, oh, like, let me see how it fits. Okay. Like maybe this size, maybe that size. And I really, I really enjoyed selling. I was always really good at it, which was helpful because it's commission based and performance based, obviously. Um, and then the management side is more of the business side, like learning the stats. And, you know, we got to like kind of see the behind the scenes of buying. And I always thought I wanted to be a buyer for Nordstrom and live in Seattle and just live that Nordstrom dream so I did that um, and then I quickly realized being married like a newlywed I really hated retail hours <laughs> working so weekends what was Robbie doing did he have retail hours or he did not he was working um, he got a job full-time doing social media for a nonprofit in Utah and he grew their social media and grew with the company and he grew their Facebook like over a million users that's in incredible like a especially a for a nonprofit. you're not yeah. following a person you're following yeah. a mission yeah and so it was something that was really important to him the cause and it also just was kind of he was always you know we were doing social media together but this was like he really had the tools to learn and to you know hone in on those skills which really helped our business in the long run um, so anyways, after I decided I didn't want to do retail hours anymore, I was looking for a job and Meg from Meg Legs was hiring like an assistant for her blog. Well, not for her blog. She was hiring an assistant. So she, at the time she had um, a cute little online boutique and I applied for it. And we, my sister-in-law's a photographer. So I knew Meg because my sister-in-law had like shot Meg and stuff in Utah and I this got is the job. Robbie's sister is a photographer. Yes. Okay, so this family is like made for this, this family. <laughs> so my family is not creative, and that's like not docking them at all no. because they're very successful in other ways. Robbie's family is extremely creative, extremely, extremely creative. So it, it's so funny when we talk about like the way we were raised and how you know everything from my side is like very like analytical and purposeful and Robbie's family is just like dream big dream as big as you want and go after it and you know so it so, so shameless plug for Robbie for a minute yeah. so <laughs> if you've not followed Robbie's Instagram it's at trip with two p's yes and he does give what I would call like inspirational speeches yes. on a daily basis just yes. whether and it's inspiring like his nephews are talking to the camera yes um, he's a, an enthusiastic partner for sure and that's been like a huge part of our business and I'm someone who is a lot more timid and shy I would say I'm like the extrovert in our relationship and I I'm a people pleaser and I I'm a perfectionist and I want to do it right and he's just like go for it like let's do it like I'm gonna push you outside your comfort zone we're gonna do this we're gonna do that it's gonna work and it works he just believes How does that manifest like what is what are the things that he wants to do that feel uncomfortable well even even when I very first started sharing my body positive journey and my self-love journey that was 
was about two years into blogging, it was something that I was really passionate about, but I was very scared to share it because at the time that wasn't a thing. It hadn't become this trendy topic yet. I would say from my experience, I think you're the loudest voice and and the, the most consistent voice where it doesn't feel like a campaign as part of yeah. what you're doing, but it's actually just who you are. Yeah, it was really important for me to start sharing that, but I, it was very... It was very scary to do so. And it was Robbie that was like, no, this is this is so important. And this will, you know, really help other women and make you more relatable. And it was like that push that really triggered like this whole entire platform centered around body positivity. What year was this? So that was, let's see, that was in 2015. And we started Sass for Lipstick in 2013. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you guys have been on this mission, which some people look at this and they're like, oh, and like last year she started talking about, it's like, no, maybe you just found her last year. Like this has been something that's been yeah. a journey for you guys yeah. for a very long time. I mean, starting 2013, totally. you started this blog, you put the, put it on Facebook. Who's going to follow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then like, what did that look like? Like when, when was there a point where you're like, okay, this is our job now. So it's so funny because I was going off the example of like all the big bloggers I followed. Right. So they were posting like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I was like, oh, I got to get a blog post up like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And looking back, like that was a very lofty goal for first starting and creating that much content with not very many skills. But it was really important to me. And Robbie would take my photos like after class and he'd run over and help me and he would edit all of them. And I'd write the post and sometimes we'd collaborate on writing posts as well. And yeah, it was a really lofty goal to do that. And I think like our consistency of doing that for so long is what years later when we were like, oh, we're starting to make money off of this okay, like we're going to take this to the next level. And it took time. I think that's what everyone forgets is that I didn't go full time until um, right before I moved to San Francisco. I was working part time, full time, and I went part time at a job. And then I was like, okay, I'm pretty much doing what for this company, what I want to be doing for myself. So let me put 100% effort into it to make this my career because it's something I'm so passionate about and love so much and want to see, you know, become a success. And it wasn't even until 2017 that Robbie came on full time with me. So it, it takes time to build a business. And when you started, were you like, I'm going to do this until it works? Or did you, was it year by year of like, am I going to keep doing this? Like, how did you feel during that time when it was not a sure thing? So Robbie and I will give you different answers for that <laughs> because he was like, oh no, for sure. This was always going to be like the end goal. And for me, I'm like, well, like it was just a hobby. Like I started it when I was like in college and like at that point, you don't know what you want to do. And, you know, you, you try different things. I tried Nordstrom. I tried, you know, I was assistant for Meg for a while, which is a really great experience. And then I worked um, like in the communications department of a fashion brand in Utah for a while. And so having all of these things and figuring out, okay, I'm doing these things for other people that I could be putting 100% effort into doing them for myself. It takes time to figure that out. But Robbie will tell you that it was always the end goal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's tough. You know, you think anybody starts their business and you know what you want the end to look like, or yeah. you think you know what, yeah. you want the end to look like, but then like year one passes and you're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if I made enough money to like, I, this year cost me money or the next year yeah. it cost me yeah. money. And then, you know, how long do you forge ahead? And this is with not just influence, but with anybody's Any business. business that if you knew you're going to succeed, it's easier for those early years. But I think you don't know that. Yeah. And so... So something we have always stood by is that you have to spend money to make money. So you have to invest in yourself, whether that is investing in a camera or if that's investing in 
building a beautiful site, investing in paying a photographer to shoot your photos, and for us fashion bloggers, investing in buying outfits so that we can share things that are in stock so that others can then purchase them. You know, that, that investing is something that takes a lot of effort and it takes time, and that's why, you know, it takes a long time to build up a business to become successful because first you have to put in the work and effort. So how do you guys think about investments? Do you have a framework where you're like 30% always digs back in, or what? how do you guys think about that? Oh, I wish we were like that organized. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're definitely not and I think it's because for a long time it was so much trial and error and trying to figure it out and the industry and business was so new like trying out like different things and different strategies on like what will work to help grow and and it was just so new there's there's no guidebook for this industry and you know people are still like brands are finally still grasping the concept you know this is and for some people this is like 10 years in you know so it's just it's a lot of trial and error in this industry and figuring out what I should invest in and it's different for everybody I always you know people always ask me like what's your best advice like what works for you and I'm like well what works for me isn't necessarily going to be what works for you I can give you like my top five general tips but if you know you're not doing what I'm doing and you definitely should like forge your own path then it's just going to look totally different. So what are things in your business today that you found recently that you're like, this is this new thing that we're doing that's working? I would say this even goes back to when we first started talking about my self-love journey and body positivity. This industry is very saturated. We all know that. But I still think that you can make it even if you start now because you have something valuable to offer that the next person doesn't. So it's finding whatever that is, whatever that niche is, whether it's, you know, you're dealing. I was talking with a good friend who has um, disabled kids and it's like that's so important and that's such a part of your everyday life and to be able to like speak to that and you know raise an awareness for these different um, disabilities like that is so important and that's what sets you apart and that's what makes you unique and you know not everyone's going through that but everyone has trials or different hardships or different things they're working through and to be able to share those like that's such a good angle and you're not you know you're not exploiting the situation at all it's just being real Helping and authentic other people in that yeah situation. exactly what is the community that you have found um, in blogging today or have you found a community in blogging? Today? You know, it's, it's, I have a few different communities. I feel like I have like my reward style family community and bloggers, but then I also have like this curvy community that's completely separate and um, you kind of have to like find your way and kind of find those who will support you. And, and that's not easy. It's, this is like a very, it can be a very cutthroat industry as far as, you know, everyone's kind of up for the same campaigns and everybody's trying to make money and trying to grow and it's hard and also trying to figure out like what their voice is. So it takes time to find your community, but when you find it and you fit in and you feel accepted and supported, that's when, you know, you're doing it something right. <laughs> it sounds like, I mean, what I what I think I heard from you is you've, you've found community in the people that um, have like a shared interest. Yeah. Like obviously the reward style community, at least from, from a team perspective, is, is aligned with the mission of helping you grow your yeah, business. Yeah, of course. Um, and then hopefully the influencers that are part of that community as well are, are there to help you. And then, um, you know, with the body positivity community as well, of course, they are on the same mission that you're on. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that's a, a critical thing for people who are looking to kind of find a home is, you know, think about what it is, like what's your why. And I think for, you know, for you, Sarah, that that is something that you identified very early is, okay, what is your success to significance moment? And, you know, while you've been building your business, you've had that in that mission in mind of this is about making people feel good about themselves. And I'd love to actually hear in your yeah, words, sure. like, what is self love? What is body positivity? 
You know, it's so hard to put that into words sometimes. I feel like I get asked that a lot. And for me, it's just feeling confident in who I am and how I look and the fact that you're right, I don't look like most fashion bloggers. Like there's very few of us in the fashion blogger world who I would consider in betweenies. It's, yeah, so I'm a size 12, like in betweenies, like eight to like 14 because most plus size start like 14 or 16 and you know the plus size community has made amazing strides and there's so many amazing influencers who are plus size and brands but there's still like this in-betweeny gray area that I'm too small for plus size but I'm also at the very far end of straight sizes and so it's just interesting how that's still so hard and there's very few of us fashion bloggers who like fit into that category and even just bloggers in general there's just not very many of us so you know working on helping these women who I think the average American woman size is like a size 14 or 16 helping these women feel like they're represented is so so important to me and helping them feel like they can be confident and love themselves and feel fashionable and feel good and you know health has always been really important to me um you can be curvy and you can be healthy and you can try and eat right and you can exercise and, and, and mental health too, you know, like I always tell women, it always starts with how you talk to yourself. Like if you're constantly get, like talking to yourself and saying negative things about yourself, that's, you're never going to improve on your self-love journey because you have to flip that around. You have to start talking positively about yourself, which leads to positive thoughts, which leads to even thinking positively about other people and your like daily situations in life. So self-love is just, it's so, it's so important. It's so personal. I think it's so different for everybody. And even in this day and age, I'm realizing like some women need to even get to um, body neutrality before they can get to like self-love because they need to be okay with who they are and comfortable in their skin and it's hard to like go from hating yourself to loving yourself there's definitely like this journey of being like okay I'm okay with myself now let's go on to the next stage of like actually loving myself do you think that you were ever at one end of the spectrum or the other because when I meet you today there's like (laughs) this this halo of joy around you um but was it always like that I would say for the most part I always felt okay and comfortable with my body, but it definitely, when it started to change, I went through a lot of phases in college where at Yo-Yo'd, I would gain like 30 to 40 pounds in like three months, just an insane amount of weight really quickly, and that that was always like really discouraging, and um, I... I never like got asked out in college and like probably can't believe that. And I'm like, it just, it's not what, like, I don't know what the men in college were looking for. And, um, it didn't really bother me at the time, but looking back, I feel like it definitely had an effect on my self-confidence. And so when I met Robbie and he was the first man in my entire life and I had had boyfriends and stuff like that, but he was the first man in my entire life who I felt like I was 100% comfortable being my size with because he loved curvy women. <laughs> and I just had never come across that before. This thin man who like was like, no, I love your curves. Like I love your thick thighs and I love everything about you. And I, I love that you love yourself. And I think that's important too is, you know, you can have people who love enough lift you, but loving yourself and having that confidence sh- shine through is what's really important before anything else. So, you know, when I look back at some of the fantastic women throughout history, um, they're, you know, whether that's a Joan of Arc or, you know, <laughs> or someone that, that's more modern, there's like a right and wrong side of history that you can reflect on, um, you know, in, in your modern era. But at the time, obviously, there was something that was not maybe socially kind of totally acceptable. Yeah. And, and I think what you've done is you have been on the right side of history with this. 
And, but when you look back like that had to be tough because even in 2015, when you're talking about this, that, that, I think that line wasn't clear yet socially. And so what were some of the the hard things about taking a stance about for what you believe? You know, when I first published that first post that was solely about like my self-love journey, it wasn't really preaching self-love. It was just like, here's what I've been through. Here's how I got through it. That was really scary and it wasn't until I posted it and could finally like breathe and people responded so well to it and women were like this is what I've been looking for and this is so relatable to me it wasn't until that point where it like clicked for me like oh no one's talking about this like why is no one talking about this it's like the modern era and and why why are we still seeing like size zeros on the runway and why are brands still I mean even today some brands still only go to a large but why are why are we seeing this when there's women out there who want to feel good about themselves no matter their size and want to look fashionable no matter their size so it's really it was really that point in time where I was like oh this is this is important like there is such a greater need for my platform than just sharing my outfits were there people who disagreed with you um, at the time, I don't, I don't feel like I felt that way, but also my blog was just like so tiny, you know, it mostly consisted of like family and high school friends and college friends. It, it wasn't like where it is today. I mean, for sure people disagree with me today and people, you know, when we went viral a few years ago and that was kind of something that catapulted like both me and Robbie's platforms. What was that? that post that went viral so Robbie did a post on his Instagram about loving me as a curvy woman and it was just I mean so this is what people always forget you don't pick what goes viral right like he's been writing these really beautiful sweet captions and notes to me online for our entire relationship and it was just the one that got picked up and I got a lot of attention and people would just twist it and just be like oh, you know, you're so degrading to your wife. All you care about is her looks and things like that. And it's not at all what it was. But when we were going viral, people would be like, oh, she's not even curvy. Like, she's not even big. (laughs) And it's just like, you can't win. You know, on a day-to-day basis, trolls tell me I'm fat and that I'm, like, promoting, like, obesity. But, like, when we were going viral and in, like, the (laughs) national media and news, people were like, she's not even curvy. She's not even big. So it's just, you can't please them. You know, you just can't. (laughs) So, I mean... I myself and I have many friends in the industry who have, you know, you mentioned like the trolls. And so yeah. how do you handle the people who are saying mean things to you? You know, trolls don't really bother me much anymore because I, I, I guess I should say the comments about like my looks or my platform don't really bother me anymore because I'm just like, you're so silly and you're hiding behind a computer screen and a fake username and like, you're so miserable. You're such a miserable person. You know, like I'm not going to let that affect me. It's definitely different when it's people you grew up with or people you know, or, you know, even people within your same industry who try and bring you down for whatever reason, if they're jealous, if they're whatever, or if it's even trolls who are like trying to dig at your character, like that's hard. But the general comments about, like, my body size or my weight or whatever, that doesn't bother me anymore. We've been through this, you know, for six years, and nothing you say about my appearance is anything new. And it, I, I can let that roll off my back, you know? It's yeah. like, block, delete, move on. I think, I think one thing that, that you had mentioned to me in the past was you know, someone had even, like, emailed a brand one time. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, they're not even just saying things on your, you know, maybe outlets, but actually trying to damage your business and your, your business yeah. relationships. What, what happened there? I think that um, people forget that there's lots of ups and downs in business. And I think people look at somebody with my platform and are just like, oh, like, 
she's so lucky and she's like she's just on top of her game and it's just like no like success does not look like this success is like this up and down and there's lows and there's highs and there's people out there who want to ruin your career and who want to tarnish your reputation and your name and it's it's sad and it's hard and it's not fun and it's it's a really difficult part about being in the public eye and putting your life out there and details about who you are out there so yeah, it was hard. That that happened like when we were going viral. It still happens every now and then, and we just work through it. So changing subjects a little bit, you guys are building a house. We're building a house. And you moved to Phoenix. <laughs> we did. I know. I know. People are like, why did you choose there? So we were living in San Francisco for three years. We moved out there really to just grow our business. We could work wherever, and we wanted to be in a major city. Um, Robbie has connections to Northern California because he played college ball in Northern California during college. And um, so we loved it, but there comes a point where it's time to move out of the Bay Area because paying over a million dollars for 700 square feet is just not fun. <laughs> so we wanted, to, we wanted a home, and um, I'm from Vegas originally, like we've mentioned, so we wanted to get back to the desert, and we had started looking, um, and we actually went to Arizona for a really good friend's wedding, and we just fell in love. So we don't have any family there. Everyone always asks us that, but Vegas is like a four-hour drive, and it's an hour flight to Utah, where Robbie's from, and we have really, really good friends there, and we're just, we're so happy. We've been there for about four and a half months now. So does this mean you are expanding into home content? We are, which is really exciting. <laughs> it's a little bit daunting, to be honest with you, just because I've never, I mean, I've shared like very small amounts of like, oh, this is how I decorated my 700 square foot <laughs> condo in corner San a, Francisco. Yeah, no, seriously. So to go from that to like 3,000 square feet and four bedrooms, an office, a backyard, congratulations! We're have a pool. Like we're so excited. Thank you. We're coming to that pool. By yeah. The way. Oh yeah, you're invited. Pool party. Like to know at pool party. <laughs> Um, so w with that, is it going to be like still available on your site or on your Instagram or is it separate or how do you think about vertical expansion? We are just going to integrate it. So I just feel like with anything, like my blog first started out as primarily fashion and then it moved into like this body positive platform. And then, you know, it's become so lifestyle with Robbie and I travel so much and we share a lot of our relationship and we share beauty. And now it's just adding, adding home to the whole mix. So what is on your bucket list as you know it today? Because you've had these these moments of virality. Yes. I know you and Danny Austin recently yes. did a great post. Thank um, you. Just kind of talking about all sides of body positivity. Yeah. Regardless of your body type. And those are really amazing things that were then, you know, picked up by news outlets all around the world. Yeah. Um, are there any other moments that you're like, I want to achieve this XYZ thing? We have a few really big projects this year that are on our goals list. So the first is definitely home, um, which is really going to be exciting to share this extension of my style and home decor. The next is we're actually expecting our first child. Yes! <laughs> oh my gosh! Congratulations! Thank you. I know we haven't announced yet, so I thought I'd share with you on this oh podcast. Oh my gosh, Sarah! I know we're That's due in awesome. October, and I'm 13 weeks. So we're also adding mom life to the blog. Okay, amazing, <laughs> amazing! I'm so excited Thank for you, you guys. Yeah, we're really, really, really happy, and uh, like I said, we're celebrating our fifth anniversary soon. So. We just feel like we're in a really good place and, you know, with a new home and just having a place to finally even have a child. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't really do it in San Francisco. So when will the house be ready? Is it in time for child? So house will be ready in about a month and a half. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yes, you'll be planning we a nursery. Will, we will be settled in and yep, we'll get to plan a nursery and yeah. <laughs> okay, Amber, tell me your best mom tip. Um, best tip for mom and dad, bring in a team, like hire help. Okay, good. Because I feel like everyone's told me you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of your child. So that's really great there advice. There is like no better self-love. I will tell you, you yeah. know, starting out. So my mom helps us all throughout the week. Amazing. And so Baxter and I both work full time and we're right. at the office for office hours. And so she's there with the kids and we have um, other people in our life that will kind of sub in and out if she needs to go do other things. And a, definitely a great community around us and our kids. But even on the weekends, like some of our very good friends would always tell us, you know, they had kids before us and they're like, well, we have babysitters on the weekend. And I remember thinking, well, that's so sad because like you're home on the weekend. Like, what do you mean? Why would you do that? Don't you want to be with your kids? And yeah. she was like, it's awesome because like I actually have then the choice to hang out with my kids because she was like, someone else can like cook them lunch or like clean up the table or whatever. And she's yeah. like, you know, as a mom, what I've realized is a couple of things. And one is um, I thought when I had Birdie that it was a new handbag that I was like bringing around the world with me. <laughs> and that is not the case. Um, it's not it your changed accessory. My, yeah, she was not an accessory, <laughs> it turns out. Um, and so, yeah, it is, a, it is a really hard thing that does change your life. But, I, you know, going to work during the day, like she doesn't come to work with me. And right. so... But as a, as a child, you know, they go to bed around 7.30 at night. So I, I get home, you know, I started coming home at 6, so I'd have an hour and a half with her. But that's the time I have with her every day. And so yeah. it's like, that's an hour and a half with your kid. Like, that's sort of, you know, for the first, like, let's say, year of their life anyway, they might go to bed a little later after that. But, like, you generally have, like, an hour and a half. So if I have a call that runs late or a meeting that goes long or I have someone in town I need to take to dinner, that I don't see my kid for, like – 24 to 48 hours because of that one meeting or that one thing. And so you really have to set like boundaries around your life and your, your family life. Otherwise you'll literally go weeks without seeing your kid. It's so crazy. And the weekend thing that I thought was so nuts about having help. What I realized was I was, you know, now we have three kids. I'm like dressing all of them or packing lunches or making sure things are happening or recleaning the kitchen for like the next meal of everybody. And I actually wasn't hanging out with them at all. Like I was home, but I was doing just like the mom doing chores. The, the chores. Yeah. yeah. And not actually like sitting down and like coloring with birdie or like we found, you know, you know, as your child, whether boy or girl, whatever, find that one activity that you can do with them. And for Birdie and I, she has this little playhouse that's from Pottery Barn that's this beautiful, like, four-story playhouse. But I have tons of, like, um, wallpaper samples and fabric samples. And we sit and we cut together and we glue it to the wall. And it looks like a mess. But Oh, yeah. No, exactly. (laughs) But she loves that. And you can always ask her, like, Birdie, what's your favorite thing? Because I take her to ballet class or I'll take her to school. And I thought those were the things that were meaningful. And she was like, I just love playing um, dollhouse with you. And I think it's because there's no other distractions. I'm purely focused on her. She gets to do it. So find that activity, you know, once your child's like, you know, a little bit older, but maybe it's puzzles starting out or something that like, it's just you guys do because those are those critical moments that sound like you would have all day to do them that you don't like you have to make time that for those is things. great advice thank you <laughs> as, if i can be as stylish as a mom as you then i'll be doing it right <laughs> oh, Sarah, we're, we're so excited for you <laughs> thank you so th- that leads me to shameless plug how can we help support you and robbie <laughs> you're so sweet you're so sweet you know i feel very supported by the reward style team and i think that's one of my favorite parts about being involved with this company and like I said I've, I've literally been on the platform for pretty much as long as I've been blogging and I've always felt such a connection to like you but even like to my rep and to other people just behind the scenes being the little elves and I've always felt like they have supported my business and my mission and that has just meant a lot to me so just please continue doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Where can we find and follow you like what's your like to know it handle your Instagram handle yes. your blog so so like to know handle and Instagram handle are the same at sassy red lipstick. 
blog is at Sassier Lipstick, and something that's really important to both Robbie and I is being a community. So my blog, my Instagram, it's not a one-way conversation. It's a community. I want to hear from you. I will respond to every DM, which takes a lot of time, but it's really important. And I will respond to every email. I try to respond to every comment. And so just having a community where women feel not only supported by this body positive movement, but also that they can talk to me when they're feeling down or when they're having issues or even if they have a success I get people all the time who send me photos on vacation and they say I wore a bikini for the first time in five years because of your platform and just seeing that and seeing these women radiate joy and happiness because they're finally comfortable or even getting to the point where they're comfortable in their own skin is just really the icing on the cake and really the entire point of my platform. Thank you. Yeah. Baby. Everything. Thank you for listening to Like to Know It Influencer Radio. Follow Sarah and the Like to Know It app at Sassy Red Lipstick for her inspirational body-inclusive style, a peek at her new Phoenix home, and all of her picks for baby. The Like to Know It app is the only place where you can go to search for products and get 100% shoppable results all in the context of the lives of real, influential people who use those products. Search for products like trench coat, over-the-knee boots, stroller, white marble table, and get results from real people who use them. Like to know what product search gives you an incredible contextual experience that cannot be found anywhere else. Join our community by downloading the Like to Know It app on the App Store and Google Play.